We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Chargers fans, we're welcome to another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Tyler is out today, so it's just me and Jason. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing great, especially since that Tyler guy is gone. <laughs> yeah, now we get to have all the fun we want. Nobody keeping us in check. I love it. So this episode might be a really long two hours for you guys, just forewarning, but it's going to be great content. It's awesome. Yep, the best. So we do have a busy episode today. And we are on the eve of free agency, which is an exciting time. But we do have a Patreon question from the $20 tier that we are going to discuss first. And then we'll get to the, all the fun stuff about free agency and uh, discuss the linebackers and safety in the draft class. So the question comes from Bolt Lounge. Uh, he says, if the Chargers completely pass on quarterbacks in the first three rounds, which is unlikely, who are your guys late round that you really like? So, Jason, I'll let you answer that one first. We, we've talked about this a few times. Not, I wouldn't say in detail other than the quarterbacks episode, which we will be revisiting, I believe, just because it's so dated and so much has changed. But thinking off the top of my head right now, we got Jalen Hurts probably going in the first three rounds, so he's off the board. You've got maybe Tyler, Tyler Huntley would be available there, and we've, we've both said we've we're very high on him. Uh, then you got Cole McDonald, who I believe the question mentioned. And you've got guys like Kelly Bryant and Jake Luton, who I know both me and Steven are pretty high on. 
So, I mean, there's there's guys there that you can develop, and they could be like a high-tier backup at most. But if they're passing on quarterback in the first three rounds, you're not going to be able to find a starter there. And so I can't – maybe you develop Tyler Huntley or Kelly Bryant enough. Maybe Jake Luton develops into a guy to where they become a low-tier starter. I think Jake Luton could kind of be like a Nick Foles. I think that's about his ceiling. And then you got Kelly Bryant, who, I mean, could be a, re- a really safe option. I compare him pretty often to like a, a cheap Dak Prescott uh, where, you know, it, his ceiling is maybe half of what Dak Prescott is. So it's like, okay. So, I mean, you're not going to find your starter there, but you can find guys that can develop into mid-tier, high-tier backups. And, you know, in a in an offense as run-heavy as the Chargers tend to be, that might not be such a bad thing. You know, bring in Eckler, and then you got Jackson, and maybe they bring in another running back late, and you could be a run-heavy offense. Maybe you could get a Kelly Bryant or Tyler Huntley to succeed. But in terms of uh, finding your starter, that it's not going to happen outside the, fir- the first three rounds. It's just not. Yeah, you know, you you'll – Find a, a Dak Prescott or a Gardner Minshew every once in a while, but it's definitely um, pretty rare to find those starters like Jason is saying. Um, I am pretty intrigued by Steven Montes from Colorado. Um, I don't think he hit, he doesn't have great college tape. Um, you know, the coaching wasn't the best, and he was, you know, he just cycling through coaches there at Colorado. Um, but he's big. He's got a strong arm. He's mobile. Um, so he's definitely a project, but, I, you know, he's another one that is pretty intriguing. Um, Anthony Gordon is another one I like, but I think he probably ends up going in the third round just because of the need of quarterbacks. But, um, if he does fall to the day three range, you know, he's a guy that I really like and, you know, he, he threw it all over the yard of Washington state. And we've seen with Garner Minshew, how that can translate to the next level. So moving on to the next topic, we did have a bunch of Chargers moves on, um, on Saturday, which were, you know, it was a really busy day. And the first news that came out was the franchise tag of Hunter Henry. And then later on, we also learned that the team restructured the contract of Denzel Perryman, which was a really smart move that we both really like. And then they also moved on from Brandon Meebane and Thomas Davis. So, Jason, were you surprised at any of those moves, or was that kind of just what you thought should have happened? Literally every single one surprised me. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's a bad thing because they're moves that should happen. But, you know, there are a lot of bad organizations in this league, and I don't think some people get that. When they're looking at, oh, well, they should have made that move anyway. Well, yeah, but if you're looking at the Jets or if you're looking at the old Miami Dolphins, I like their new regime, but the old Miami Dolphins, the Tennessee Titans just extended Ryan Tannehill to urge to sign him, sorry, to a $100 million contract. It's like teams make bad decisions. Look at the Green Bay Packers. Like bad decisions are made all the time. And Tom Telesco in the past has made some bad decisions. So to see good, this is progress, to see good decisions being made. They're not normal decisions, they're good decisions because they're the right ones. You can't just write them off. Now some are saying, well, they signed Thomas Davis last year when they shouldn't have. They signed Brandon Brandon Meebane to an extension when they shouldn't have. Well, you know, they thought they were close. They thought they were a close team to a Super Bowl. And Thomas Davis did help the run defense. But the problem was is they, they regressed as a team due to different things that we've talked about before. 
So it just, I mean, it didn't work out. And now he's fixing it. He's releasing the guys. And the big thing here is that he signed Eckler and he tagged Henry. And they did not, they basically didn't spend a dollar because they they cut these other guys that are not important to the team anymore, not part of the future. And so now you're still sitting at $50 million plus dollars in cap space and you just retain two of your best players. So, I mean, those are good moves. They're solid. And that might be the most slept on part is that they still have all that money. They, did, they didn't lose any money by making these signings. And that's the most impressive part to me. Yeah, so the moving on from Mebane and, and Thomas Davis freed up about $9 million in additional cap space, which could be huge to, to land some other players. Um, I was pretty surprised that they decided to cut Thomas Davis. I thought that he would stick around for the end of his contract just because you know he did help the run defense a lot and he didn't really get to play for a winning Chargers team like he had hoped. But you know, I thought Brandon Mebane should have been cut. I thought that was a smart decision. I was surprised that they kept Perryman around. I thought he was the one that was going to be cut, but I, you know, I'm fine. I'm, I'm loving the restructuring of the contract that frees up some, uh, some additional cap space as well. People kind of forget that Denzel Perryman two years ago, even was like essential to the Chargers defense. Yeah. When they did not have Denzel Perryman on the field, it was a bottom tier run defense. What was it? The ranked 32nd. And then Denzel Perryman came in and was ranked 12th. It's like, Perryman can come in and be a good linebacker for the Chargers. I believe he should be a rotational linebacker until he proves otherwise. But, I mean, restructuring that deal is kind of a safer move here because Mm -hmm. you're not getting rid of Perryman, whereas you already cut Thomas Davis. If you got rid of them both and then Jatavis Brown is walking, you're in trouble. So that needed to be restructured, absolutely, because otherwise you're running into the season with Drew Tranquil, Kaiser White, and then Nick Dezubnar or something. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so let's I'm, – I'm glad they restructured the deal instead of letting uh, Perryman go. Yeah, he still has a lot of value for sure because he is so – he's just a heat-seeking missile back there from the linebacking spot in the run game. So um, he certainly has his weaknesses in pass coverage. I mean, so does Thomas Davis. But, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what they do behind those guys. Um, we did talk at length about free agency and what we're kind of expecting and some guys that we mentioned in our last episode. Um, but with the new cap space, Jason, are you kind of, has anything really changed for you about what do you think the Chargers should do with, with all this money that they have now? Um, find a strong linebacker, like find a, find a good coverage linebacker to pair up with Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White. Uh, because obviously they're not going to play Kaiser White in the role that we want them to. <laughs> Unfortunately so, not. Go get a star linebacker to add something to the middle of that defense that it desperately needs, which is a star. Like They don't have a star there. I like Drew Tranquil. He's a good player. He's not a star linebacker, and they need a star linebacker there. That's That and a CB2 are still my number one priorities there. Uh, well, obviously, offensive line. but <laughs> Yeah. Offensive line, especially with Brian Bulaga and Jack Conklin not being re-signed yet, which is insane to me. There, It is seven eight hours until the league office like it until the tampering period begins right or 12 hours at this point and so when this episode releases it'll be already be past then but brian bulaga and jack conglin at the moment that we are speaking are not re-signed and the tampering period is about to begin so that's pretty crazy to me yeah for sure we did see anthony costanzo get re-signed um, he signed for two years and $33 million. So that's a good indication point of what we're looking for of this offensive line market. So I think Conklin 
probably signs for at least that same yearly value or more. And I think Bulaga probably checks in at a little under that. So that's something to keep an eye on for Chargers fans this week. You know, it is a, a an exciting time for free agency, to, free agency to open up, and there have been some moves, and we'll we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Um, so we're going to move on to the draft status now. At the combine, Anthony Lynn did mention that he wants to add some more linebacker depth. So we were, <laughs> yeah. So we were already planning on talking about linebacker depth. Now with the release of Thomas Davis, it becomes that much more important. So we're going to go through our linebackers, um, ten to one rankings. And then after that, we'll mention some sleeper safeties because that's not really a, a huge position of need. So that being said, Jason, why don't you start us off with your number 10 ranked and graded linebacker? So my number 10, 10 linebacker is going to be Francis Bernard out of Utah, listed at 6'1", 230. Francis Bernard listed as my 10th linebacker mainly due to his awareness. I think he has a really good like IQ and he's able to decide fast where the play is going, and he really reacts well to it. Really explosive the moment that he decides this is where the play is going. Now, Bernard does have his limitations here. I think he could develop a lot as a man coverage linebacker. He definitely has the the traits you like there, but um, needs to be a little more sticky at times to the running backs, especially in like angle routes or option routes. He He sometimes falls behind on it. Um, but he's a really well-rounded linebacker overall. I think his tackling needs work, definitely. Uh, but in today's age of linebacker, you can kind of, eh, kind of, kind of not look past it because he does have good coverage and good IQ. So he'll get there and he'll he'll definitely mess up the play. And um, he just really lacks the length to shed blocks. If he if he gets attached to a block, he's not going to be able to get off of it very easily. But he does have the good. He's very slippery at the point of attack. But if they latch on, he's he's kind of locked there. He's not gonna he's gonna have a lot of trouble getting off of it. Yeah. So you, Francis Bernard and another Utah guy that I really like. Obviously, um, I have him at number ten as well. Um, from what I've seen from watching him in person these past couple of years and watching him on tape, he really excels in two areas for me. Um, he really excels in zone coverage and he really excels as a blitzer. You know, Utah really likes to blitz their linebackers and he, he was really good at that and forced a lot of fumbles and forced a lot of pressures. Um, he's not great in man coverage like Jason is talking about and he, and he is a bit undersized. Um, I think as an athlete, he he's good, not great, but if you're talking about a late round linebacker that you can take a shot on and, and potentially be a third round rotational player and special teams guy, he's a good option. Um, so I'll move on to my number nine guy, which is Evan Weaver out of Cal. Um, he's 6'2", 234 he's pounds. He is a thumper. And when you turn on Cal and you watch their defense, literally all you see is Evan Weaver just making tackles. He is a tackling machine. Um, he really has a nose for a football, nose for the football, excuse me. Uh, but he's not a great athlete. He's not great in pass coverage. Um, there will be some limitations here, and you're definitely looking at someone that's a two-down player. But it's really hard to ignore the production that he had as a linebacker at Cal. Just He was always there. He was always around the football. He was always making good tackles. He's really smart, really tough, and he's a guy that I would, I would not mind being a, a late-round target. Yeah, Evan Weaver is like Blake Martinez if Blake Martinez knew how to hit hard. <laughs> <laughs> So I like Evan Weaver. Yeah, I it's like just that. Um, the the lack of coverage ability, the lack of athleticism. It's it's hard to it's hard to just look past. But if you are looking for a guy to bring in as your rotational linebacker on those base defense looks, 
he is the guy to go get. He's kind of like, um, yeah, Blake Martinez. That's the best way I could put it. <laughs> Blake Martinez, except a yeah. good tackler. Yeah. So, uh, so my number nine guy is going to be Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State, listed at 6'2", 235. Now, Willie Gay Jr. has all the potential in the world. He just has a lot of awareness, IQ issues, um, and off-the-field issues, which I think generally these off the field issue guys tend to not be so aware on the football field either it's it's kind of interesting how that ties together but um willie gay jr explosive guy and he's pretty good in coverage both in man and zone it's not anything elite but it's solid and um like i said he does lack the awareness on iq that you would like at the position he's late to make the decision sometimes uh takes bad angles at times as well uh but amazing athlete highly explosive um, and he can shed blocks pretty well. He doesn't have the best length, just like Francis Bernard. He doesn't have necessarily the the, the wingspan to get around some of these guys once they latch on. And I kind of question the toughness of Willie Gay Jr., uh, but he's a solid tackler. You know, give him a B in that regard. So at times, he doesn't wrap up. He'll go for the big hit, um, even though he doesn't really, I think, give the biggest, like, it's not a thumper. He's not like Evan Weaver. But I do like Willie Gay Jr. I think if you put him on the right team, uh, put him in a 4-3, and he can be an explosive linebacker that you can kind of work around. He reminds me of uh, the linebacker in Carolina, uh, Shaq Thompson. So uh, Willie Gay Jr. reminds me a lot of Shaq Thompson out of Carolina. So Willie Gay, he's a, he's a really interesting player, just like Jason is highlighting. Um, he doesn't have a ton of experience. There's not a lot of tape on him because he's missed a lot of games. Um, but man, he, he tested really well at the combine. He's a really great athlete, really explosive. So, you know, as far as like a late round linebacker, he probably has the most upside, um, just because of his natural athleticism. And there's so much, there's untapped potential there that, that we're going to see. Um, so I have him as my number eight quarterback or eight linebacker. I'll move on to my number seven linebacker, which is going to be Marcus Bailey out of Purdue. Um, He's a really interesting player because Purdue really used him almost as a nickel corner. And then on normal downs, they would move him as a linebacker. So they didn't really use a nickel corner. They just moved him out to the slot. Um, He's really good in coverage. He's not great in man, but he is really effective in zone coverage. Um, He actually is really good at setting the edge, and he's a great blitzer as well. Um, so as far as like modern NFL linebackers, he's pretty good. Uh, I think he could be a three down player for sure. Um, his range sideline to the sideline is, is decent, but it's not horrible. Um, and then he, he is looked at as a high IQ and smart football player from what I've, I've read about him as well. And he has really good tape. He's got really good measurables. He's got good character from what I've seen. So uh, Marcus Bailey is probably looking at like the third, fourth round. And I'd be okay with, with taking him there. So yeah, anytime you get a versatile linebacker like that, he's going to draw your attention. It's in, almost invaluable in today's NFL to have a linebacker that can move around to, to slot corner or even drop back the safety like the best player in this draft, Isaiah Simmons. But um, another guy that is a lot like that is my number seven guy, or my number eight guy, sorry, Kalik Hudson. Now, Kalik Hudson out of Michigan listed at 5'11", 220. Very explosive player, great in zone coverage. He was kind of that Jabril Peppers for Michigan's defense this season. And uh, just like, just 
just like Isaiah Simmons or any other of those versatile guys. He's a highly versatile player, um, kind of a cheap man's Isaiah Simmons. You get you get somebody who is very athletic, is kind of lacks the awareness you would like that he's not quick to make those decisions and fill and like shoot the gaps. But uh, if you need a guy that can kind of move to nickel in a pinch, uh, or you need somebody to man up against the running back, you need somebody to watch the zone. Khalid Hudson's kind of your guy here. Um, if you're late in the draft, look for that kind of player. Very explosive player, but he's only 5'11". So you put him in the box, he's going to struggle once he's latched onto. We've talked about that wingspan a couple times. Uh, he does not have a good block shedding because once they latch on, he just doesn't have the length to beat it. So you are putting somebody in the box with Khalid Hudson who might not be the best against the run, Not won't be good against the run. Uh, he's not the best tackler. Uh, solid, less than solid, and pretty tough, though. He's pretty tough. He's scrappy. So, I mean, he'll give you A-plus effort when he's making his run at the football. Yeah, he actually reminded me a lot of Adrian Phillips on film, just the the kind of role that he was able to do and, and then the, the various skills that he has, but it was really impressive to watch. So my uh, next linebacker I'm gonna, my next linebacker I'm going to talk about is Shaquille Quarterman out of Miami. Uh, he's 6'4", 241, and when you watch him, he literally is a Denzel Perryman clone. He is just a heat-seeking missile out there. He's old-school downhill linebacker that just wants to come up and thump you and just lay the wood. Um, he's not the smoothest smoothest athlete in coverage. Um, he is a good athlete. His lateral quickness isn't great, but his coverage needs some work. Um, so he... He is like I'm saying here. Like this is a comparison of him and Denzel Perryman. So you add him as a backup to Denzel Perryman and get some depth as the Mike linebacker, um, and I would be okay with that. He, he he is definitely a player that I'm really interested in. There are some risks there just because of his lack of coverage skills. Um, but as far as a late round linebacker that can come in and make some plays, get you seven to ten tackles a game, get you a tackle for loss a game, like he's a great option there. Yeah, they even went to the same school, him and Perryman. They're like the exact yeah. clones. Um, Shaku Quarterman is a very explosive player. He does have those coverage concerns, but he's so smart. He's so quick to understand where the play is going, and then he fires off like a missile and makes the play behind the backfield. Now, I think he can develop into an okay coverage linebacker because he showed some flashes early in his career, earlier in his college career, where he did show some, some breakups and deflections. But um, it is a concern now, and you do not want him man-to-man against a running back out of the backfield. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bloodbath. No. But um, I think he can develop there. Great tackler, great toughness. And, uh, you know, even though he's only 6'1", it's like he, he gets through blockers. They cannot, they cannot latch onto him like we've been talking about. They cannot latch onto him. He'll slip right through. And if he doesn't slip right through, he'll get off of him. So I really like Shaquille Quarterman. The next linebacker I'm going to talk about here is Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech, who I think is one of the more explosive linebackers in this draft. So he does have okay zone ability, so okay zone coverage, um, and he has a, he's hit or miss with the awareness deal. Um, sometimes he'll understand immediately where the play is going, and sometimes it'll be late and he'll take a bad angle. So inconsistency with him, but he's such a good athlete. Um, and then he can get off of blocks really well despite his six one size. Not as good as Quarterman can, but he, he does it well enough in spurts. 
a uh, great tackler, very secure, and he's another guy who is a hard nose to the football guy. He's going to be there almost every play, and he actually has some pretty decent man coverage as well. He can he can cover against some running backs out of the backfield as long as they're not too not too change of direction and quickness. Um, but I I do like Jordan Brooks. Uh, he's my number six guy on my list. So moving on to my next guy, actually, is going to be Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, listed at six three two forty five. Malik Harrison is kind of raw. You need to work on him with a couple things, but uh, he's a very solid player across the board. There's not really a, a weakness for him outside of the, the man coverage. He's got good explosiveness, good zone coverage, good awareness, good athleticism, and he he can get through blocks like quick. He's a big guy, so he he'll bulldoze some some. I've seen him bulldoze some linemen and put them on their back when they try to block him, and I love it. I love that about Malik Harrison. And add that zone coverage being decent enough with him. And you have a really well-rounded linebacker. Man, he is a thumper. He'll, he'll bring the boom and he'll just lay people out. And I love it. And, you know, you need somebody like that on the Chargers defense right now. Denzel Perryman hasn't done it in a while. The last person to, I saw do it, I think, was Kaiser White last year or something like that. Uh, like one play and it actually got called for unnecessary roughness, I think. Um, I think it was against the Bills, actually, having trouble remembering. But um, I haven't seen it in too long, probably because Derwin James was hurt. So, you know, I miss it. I miss – oh, I, I can't actually remember Adrian Phillips doing one when he returned. And you're like, oh, Adrian Phillips is back. So, I mean, I really like Malik Harrison. I like his potential. I like how well-rounded he is. And um, he's somebody that's probably going to be taken around round three, so it's probably too rich for the Chargers. But, man, I would like to see him be a Charger, especially with – how much they're hurting on the depth right now yeah i love malik harrison too he's probably one of my personal favorites outside of the the top three so i have him at number four so i'll talk about him in a little bit um but my number five guy is troy die out of oregon um he's 6'4 225 um so he's a bit undersized for the position he probably needs to add some weight uh to handle the physicality at the next level but similar to harrison he's just really well-rounded he can do everything he's really smart really tough um he's not great at shedding blocks but everything else he's i gave him a pretty good b plus a minus grade on um he's a really good tackler he's really good in coverage he's a good blitzer and and he's just tough and smart i I just really liked watching him play and he just has a nose for the football and so i think he probably same similar to harrison probably goes in the third or fourth rounds um but troy diet he's fun to watch and and he probably would be a, a a good fit for what the Chargers are doing. It's just that range is probably a bit too uh, too early for what the Chargers are looking for. So yeah, Troy Die, big guy at six four two twenty five, and I mean he is explosive. He is a good athlete. Um, where I actually don't like Troy Die is those smarts. He's really to me watching the film, he looked so slow to diagnose what was going on and getting there. And it seems like I'm in the minority on that because everybody loves Troy Dye, I feel like. But um, I just I just feel like when I'm watching him, he's a little slow to get there. He's a little slow to process what's going on, especially when a play is developing in front of him, like a, like a high-low combo. Um, so in those zone coverage situations against the pass, you get a drag in front of him and a crosser behind him, and he's going to bite on the drag way too much. He's going to bite on it way too much. Um, so it's just something to watch for with him. He is actually my number four guy though. Hot, so explosive, such a good athlete. And he really is such a good tackler. He's sure handed. So 
He's a guy I like a lot. He has good footwork as well. And the next three guys are kind of uh, kind of getting into the elite company here. For sure. And, you know, it was really impressive watching Troy Dye play with that club on his arm all season long. And it, like, barely phased him. He was still racking up tackles like nobody's business. Um, so, like I mentioned, Millie Carrison, he's my number four guy coming out of Ohio State. Like, Jason, I'm really high on him. Um, he's very well-rounded. I think a lot of people will point to his struggles against Clemson, but, you know, it's pretty hard to play great against Travis Etienne in space. Like, he's going to make everyone miss. So, I'm not too worried about that. Um, he just really, he's a thumper and he has an aggressive mentality that brings, and that's something that you want as a linebacker, like Jason was saying. I think he sheds blockers as good as anyone in this draft class. Um, and he kind of just wiggles through everything and, and he makes plays. So I really like Millie Harrison a lot. So my number three guy, you know, he's getting first round buzz. That's Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. Uh, he's 6'2", 234. Um, he's not super physical in the run game. He's not really a thumper, but he is that modern NFL linebacker that can play sideline to sideline. He's got great range, great closing speed. Um, the first game I watched of his was actually against Houston, and he chased down De'Ara King several times, and De'Ara King is a great athlete. So the speed is there. The athleticism is there. He's okay in coverage. I think teams are going to have to work with him on you know kind of making him a well-rounded linebacker and, and honing in on his technique, but yeah, he's a great athlete, and he showed that at the Combine. Yeah, Kenneth Murray is actually my number two linebacker, so I'll just talk about him right now. Very explosive athlete. Like, holy snap, this guy is athletic. Sideline to sideline, he'll get you. Like, it, I don't care who's running the sweep or who's running the who's throwing the flat route to who, he'll get you. And so you got to love that about Kenneth Murray. Uh, I do think he has a lot of awareness things to work on. So he's a good athlete in zone coverage, and he's quick to recognize the routes. But... He just has some some football IQ things to work on a little bit to develop before he's there as a coverage guy 100%. I think he needs work at man coverage, covering the angle routes out of the backfield especially, or the option routes. But like I said, such an athletic guy, and I actually do like his block shedding a lot. I think he can get through the blocks really easily. It's like he slips through. One of those guys that's like a missile through the through the gap as soon as the play starts. So I really like Kenneth Murray there. So my number three guy is actually David Woodward out of Utah State, listed at 6'2", 235. Now, Woodward is not the best athlete. You know, you're probably talking about a B, B-plus athlete at best for the position. And then he's not very explosive through the gap like Kenneth Murray is. He's pretty much generally opposite of that. But he does have some good smarts in terms of knowing where the ball is going to be. And so he's not the best range guy in zone coverage, but he understands where the ball is going to go. I have him as A-plus in general in the awareness bit. But he's not the best athlete, and I don't think he's the best block shutter either. I just think his IQ is so good. He's so ahead of his peers in terms of understanding where the play is going to go that I, I do like David Woodward a lot. And uh, very sure tackler, and he's a very scrappy player. He's gonna, you're always gonna see him around the football, and you're probably gonna see him biting somebody every once in a while. So <laughs> I, I do like David Woodward's mentality as well, just both in his toughness and his general awareness of the play going on around him. So that's why I have him graded so highly. I know Steven doesn't like him nearly as much as that. So yeah, I actually had him at 11, right behind Francis Bernard. So. Um, I like David Woodward. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he has some some good upside as far as a late round guy. So where do you where do you see him fitting in in, in the draft range? 
I've heard him as high as the second round, but I'm I'm not exactly sure. I mean, there's been so much change since the combine, and there's a lot of guys I think I, – I mean, I don't like David Woodward as a fit with the Chargers, but um, I think Drew Tranquil is already the kind of the guy with the – Yeah. The guy there with the good athleticism, good smarts. So I feel like David Woodward doesn't really fit with them. In terms of where, he go, where he's going, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but like I said, I've heard as high as the second round for him. Yeah, that's, a, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, so my number two guy is going to be Patrick Queen, Love um, Queen out of LSU. He is 6'1", 227. Um, he actually only played – this was his first year as a full-time starter. He only played sparingly the last year. Um, so there's not a ton of tape on him besides this year. But what you saw this year was just – this incredible linebacker who has great range, great athleticism. So explosive. He's physical at the point of attack. Yeah, he really is. Um, he goes sideline to sideline as well as anybody in this class. And, you know, if you're picturing like a perfect linebacker in the modern era that can cover well, that can play zone coverage, that can blitz, attack the running lanes really well, you know, that's Patrick Queen. I could see him going in the first round. You know, there are some linebacker needy teams like the Raiders and the Saints kind of need a guy. Um, but I think you know, I have a second round grade on him, early second round. Um, but I really like Queen. He's great, and you know it's too bad that he uh, is out of the Chargers price range. Yeah, Patrick Queen is actually my linebacker one here, and um, I don't have Isaiah Simmons as a linebacker. I have him as a safety. So everyone, calm down. Very athletic player, very explosive. He's a more pro ready Kenneth Murray to me. It's like everything you think Kenneth Murray is going to be going into the pros. That's what Patrick Queen is. I think Patrick Queen is a less sure tackler than Kenneth Murray. And I do think Kenneth Murray sheds blocks way better than Patrick Queen. But in terms of just general awareness of the play, man coverage, zone coverage, he's he's more pro-ready than Kenneth Murray is. So they're very similar players, actually. But I think, I think Patrick Queen is more twitchy, and he's quicker to the gap than Kenneth Murray. They're both so explosive, though. They're so explosive. And... Uh, it's almost like a, a Devin Bush, Devin White race all over again. They're, they're very quick, fast players, very rangy, and uh, they'll probably go really close to each other, actually. They're probably going to be like the second Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray is off the board, the other one is probably getting traded up for uh, because it's just this class is, you know, there's 10 linebackers here that I think are even draftable. So, you know, after, after that, I'm not okay with the linebackers at all. <laughs> and it's just, no, no, I don't care. Uh, so, you know, you, you see linebackers start to get taken. You're going to need to trade up for one that you like. And so they're going to go really close to each other. I would put my money on Patrick Queen being the more pro-ready guy. But Kenneth Murray, man, I, I really like his skill set. They're, they're only one point differential for me in terms of, like, out of the 80 scale we do. One point apart, and that's it. So good. Yeah. I have him really close as well. I have uh, Patrick Queen by two points, so you know it shows how how talented those two are. Um, so I, you know, I followed the draft network, and I, you know, I have Isaiah Simmons listed as a linebacker. Um, it's simple. He's amazing. He's one of the best players I've seen in the last few years. Um, so you see him as as a full time safety. Do you see him as someone more of like what Adrian Phillips does, where he's linebacker, safety, nickel? Like, how do you see Isaiah Simmons in the NFL? I see him as a Derwin James. I, like it's not to 
like how often do you see Derwin James at linebacker? It's kind of, it's probably like 50% of the time. And then, you know, probably 30% of the time back at safety and maybe 20% of the time split between nickel and dimebacker and edge. So, I mean, that's, that's how I see him as a Derwin James. I don't see him locked at linebacker. I don't see him locked to safety, but I mean, generally in terms of when you have a guy that versatile, you don't lock him in a linebacker. You put him yeah. in strong safety and move him around. So I don't get why he's a linebacker for so many teams. Like, I don't, I don't really get it. Move him around, have him play that versatile, strong safety look, that Cam Chancellor role. And, I mean, if you put a linebacker, if you put him at linebacker with that four three eight speed, that's going to make me so mad. <laughs> that is, he has so much potential there. Like, put him at free safety. Put him at strong safety. Move him around. You know, you put him at free safety with that four three eight speed, and, you know, a run back, run, uh, sorry, a running back gets loose. He's, the running back's not going to take it to the house because Isaiah Simmons is back there. I would love Isaiah Simmons at seven or at six. Sorry, Mike Williams flashbacks to seven. And <laughs> another Clemson player. Yeah. So I would love Isaiah Simmons at six just because, you know, put him at free safety, Derwin James at strong safety, and you have this insane combo. And then you got Nasir Adderley floating around and ugh, dreams, but I don't run the team. And <laughs> Nasir Adderley's not even a starter because uh, Rashawn Jenkins is elite. So. <laughs> and going to be Super Saiyan. Let's not forget the true LB1, though. Kaiser White out of West Virginia. Play Kaiser White. Yeah. Sick of this crap. Play Kaiser Honestly, White. Don't understand done with that. it. So, yeah, I agree with Jason. I think you can't really put a limit on what Isaiah Simmons is doing, similar to what uh, Derwin James has done and what Jamal Adams does for the Jets. Apparently, Simmons was telling teams at the combine that he wants to rush the passer more often, which that would be really interesting to kind of get him on the edge and get him – uh, playing that pass rusher role in, on occasion, so he's he's so interesting. Um, obviously, it's still really early. We, you know, free agency is about to start. We don't really know what teams are going to do for certain. I think it's pretty certain that Joe Burrow goes number one and Chase Young goes number two. But Jason, if you had to put like a percentage on it, what percentage do you think he's there at six? Like, what chance are you giving him being there at six? Like an eighty percent chance. So a lot of people have the Giants taking him. Do you do you buy I, that? I don't buy. I don't buy that. You, they just drafted Daniel Jones. You know their their left tackle is getting older. So I mean, you gotta you gotta protect Daniel Jones. Yeah. I I I don't understand why you would go Isaiah Simmons with him if you're not gonna protect Daniel Jones. So also teams don't tend to value strong safety as much as we think they do. Like Derwin yeah. James fell all the way to seventeen. It's. I doubt Isaiah Simmons is going to be gone by six. I doubt it. And if he is, I mean, that thank Derwin James because everybody saw Derwin James play it, and so now they want Derwin James on their team. I agree. I you know I would I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants took him at four or even if the Lions took him at three. Um, but yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance that he is there at six. So we'll move on to safeties. We're not going to mention every single safety here. It's not a super position of need for the Chargers. You know, unless Adrian Phillips walks away and someone gets hurt, I think you know I think they're pretty set. Um, so we're just going to mention some sleepers, uh, some late round guys that you know Tom Telesco is not afraid to take a shot on guys, and, and you know maybe he's worried about some injury history creeping up with certain players, and maybe he had some depth in this uh, in this area. So Jason, who's your first sleeper you want to bring up here? First sleeper is I guess he's not a sleeper anymore, but it's Terrell Burgess out of Utah. Yes, sir. man. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, so I love his range. He's a basically a pure free safety for me. I love his range. I love his ball skills. He's 
got great athleticism. He's good in man coverage. Like, this guy's so good. And he's a converted corner, isn't he? Am I getting that right? Blackman is the one that's the converted corner. Blackman is, is the converted corner. Yeah. So Terrell Burgess plays like a converted corner because I swear he's so sticky in man coverage. I really like Terrell Burgess there. And uh, both those Utah safeties are sleepers for me. Like, they're both so good. And they both they both are sticky in man coverage, man. Like, man, you could you could probably play both of them in in the slot corner role and have them just man up, and you'll you'll win. So, really like Terrell Burgess out of Utah. Uh, he's listed at five eleven, one ninety. And um, man, if you're if you're asking me what safety I want in the mid rounds, if if they took one at all, it'd be Terrell Burgess. But honestly, we're probably gonna have to dig a little deeper for a sleeper. Because yeah. I don't even think they're going to spend a mid-round pick on a safety. I don't even know if they're going to spend a late-round pick on a safety. So we're yeah. really going to have to dig deep here. Yeah, for sure. You know, I I I can't imagine that they take a safety. Honestly, I think if they do, it probably sixth or seventh round. But yeah, Terrell Burgess is is awesome. I love him. Obviously, as a Utah guy, um, but he only started this one year, so um, it was kind of disappointing that we didn't get to see more of him. Um, I do want to talk about Julian Blackman just because of his injury he hurt his knee in the in the Oregon game so he's not really going to be ready for OTAs and stuff and so because of that he's he's slipping down on draft boards um, he was getting as high up as the second round in some boards yeah he was um he was headed for a great game against Oregon and I think that injury really was unfortunate timing just because you know it's the end of the season it's December and so he has a long recovery ahead of him um he did move from corner he's the one that moved from corner um, so he's got really good ball skills. He was all pack 12 as a corner and then all pack 12 as a safety. Um, he played most of his snaps, about 80% of his snaps from free safety. And he used those good ball skills. He, he can get interceptions. He's got really good range. Um, but the thing I loved about Julian Blackman is he, he's the best tackler I've ever seen at Utah. Um, he just makes plays all the time and, and his range is incredible. And if he gets his hands on you, he's you're, you're down. You're not getting past Julian Blackman. Because of the injury, I think he probably falls to like the to day three range. But you know, if we're if the Chargers are taking a safety, I, I would not mind taking Julian Blackman at all. So if we're really digging deep here for a safety, like we're going into an undrafted territory, then you might be looking at Jalen Hawkins out of California. Listen, yeah. six two two ten. So now Jalen Hawkins, he's not. He, it's not like he has any elite traits or anything because we're getting, we're we're getting way back there in some guys that you you probably haven't heard of. But Jalen Hawkins out of California is one of the better guys. He's he's kind of a leader for that defense, and he's going to be more of a box safety kind of guy. Uh, really, I'm not going to say sticky in man coverage because he's not. But he he's better at man coverage. He that's I would say where he kind of excels in that man coverage uh it's tough tackler i think as a nickel as a nickel corner would fit him really well like that part-time nickel corner sometimes comes in in the dime that would be jalen hawkins and so you're looking at maybe a chauncey gardner johnson type player and uh jalen hawkins not the best athlete i'd give him about a c plus b minus in that regard and uh he does have okay range when you give him the opportunity. So there's some stuff to work with with him. He doesn't have the highest ceiling, 
but I do like him uh, as kind of an undrafted guy. If they were bring him in round seven or undrafted, that's kind of the guy I would see maybe replacing Adrian Phillips. I think he really fits what Adrian Phillips does. So Jalen Hawkins out of California is my deep, deep sleeper. And I only got one more after that that may be worth getting. Another deep sleeper I really like uh, is Reggie Floyd out of Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech has a good history of developing safeties. You know, we've seen that with Cam Chancellor and other guys. Um, he's kind of a linebacker safety hybrid, and he played uh, about 50% of his snaps at, at each position. Um, he's just a he's a thumper, man, and, and he's not great in coverage. He's not someone that you want to line up in, in the nickel and expect him to you know, cover Travis Kelsey, for example, or, or even, you know, any kind of slot guy. But as far as like an in-the-box safety, someone that's going to bring some physicality to your team and play that Cam Chancellor in the box role, um, Reggie Floyd is a guy that I would be okay picking up as an undrafted free agent. And then I did want to talk about uh, Geno Stone from Iowa. Um, he's not necessarily like a deep sleeper. You know, I think he probably ends up going maybe day two, probably day three. Yeah, like a round five guy, I think. Um, yeah. Um, as a free safety, though, I think he is as good as it gets. He's got great ball skills, great range. He's got good instincts. Um, he but flies around. He does fly around, but he's not great in the run game. He's not someone that you want to put in the box and play in run support. He's more of a stay back there and just make plays in space and be that center fielder type player. So there is some limitations to what kind of role Geno Stone can play. So my last guy here that I really care to talk about, because then you're getting into the territory where you are just bad, like the Josh (laughs) Metellus out of Michigan territory, which is you don't want to be in that territory. If you're going down the board, if you're going down the list and you see Josh Metellus, stop. You're done. That's enough. It's over. So last guy here is going to be Jordan Fuller out of Ohio State, listed at 6'2", 205. So now the reason I like Jordan Fuller is because he's kind of solid across the board. There's not a lot of bad areas for him as a safety. Now the one bad area I can say where it's really, really bad is tackling. Like, my God, it's bad. So you don't you don't want him as a the tackler at all. But again, in this deep sleeper territory, you're gonna you, your guys are gonna have their quirks. They're gonna have their downsides. And downside for Jordan Fuller is uh if he's diving for a tackle. I expect his face mask full of dirt instead of jersey. So (laughs) Jordan Fuller is not a good tackler. Let it be known. But you want a coverage guy who has good range and good athleticism. Jordan Fuller is the guy. He's a very good athlete. I like his zone coverage. Uh, I even like his man coverage well enough. And no, you play this guy at free safety sometimes and he'll make plays for you. So if you need him in a pinch, he's going to do fine because of athleticism and that range. I don't know why most teams don't have him higher on their board because he's from Ohio State. You'd think they'd like him a little more. Maybe he just sucks that bad at tackling. I mean, that's my first thought when I was first watching. The second play I watched on him, he, like, whiffed on a tackle so bad that I thought he, like, tore something. It was <laughs> it was not good. Oh, man. So maybe that's it. But I actually really like his coverage skills. I think he definitely has what teams are looking for in terms of what they need to develop there. I think he can develop. Sorry, I think he can develop into a really good free safety or nickel corner. Just make sure he's not tackling somebody like Derrick Henry because blood will be spilt. It'll be bad. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, so that'll do it for our safeties and our linebacker talk. Um, unless you want to bring up another guy, Jason. 
what like josh metellus no we're done <laughs> we're done <laughs> so don't even bother watching josh metellus i guess no it's bad <laughs> so that'll do it for today's episode we are looking forward to the start of free agency the legal tampering period starts tomorrow um, we are praying and hoping that we do not get a notification that Tom Brady signs with the Chargers. Shh, we, don't, um, no, we don't speak his name. The more yeah. Every time the Chargers fan says his name, it goes up by 0.1%, and we've been talking about him a lot. It's probably up in the 20% range, so stop. Yeah, the, the, I, I thought the Titans would, would take a shot on signing him, honestly, but uh, that is not happening. So um, hashtag do not take Tom Brady. And then uh, make sure and follow us on Twitter. GAC Podcast 17 is our official Twitter account. Um, we are super close to 1,000 followers. We're about 100 away right now. Um, and so once we hit 100, once we hit 1,000 followers, excuse me, um, we will be doing a giveaway of an Austin Eckler jersey. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll send out some details for that. Um, but we're looking forward to that. And then my personal Twitter account is Stephen I. Hagland. And we're also on Facebook. So search us there if you're on Facebook. And Jason, where can they find you? At Centauri13 on Twitter or at GAC Podcast 17 on Instagram. Hashtag love at six. Not Tom Brady. They're gonna <laughs> announce they're gonna announce tomorrow that they're interested in mustache donned bomb trady. And I'm gonna be very upset. <laughs> get the memes going, guys. Yes, get the memes going. All right, and make sure you guys leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen, please. That really helps us out. Um, that'll do it for today. Have a good day and stay safe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.